Hey there, and welcome to Pink Squirrels, brought to you by Sapia AI, your guide to the future of HR, HR tech, and big HR ideas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TikTok edition of the Pink Squirrels podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Ashley Hurd. Ashley is the mastermind behind Manager Method and specializes in content on HR, the future of work, recruitment, management, candidate experience, and much more. Her short, snappy videos have garnered more than 1.9 million likes and 112,000 followers on TikTok, so you know she knows her stuff. On this app, Ashley offers practical tips to HR leaders who want to understand and tap into the huge recruitment and brand building opportunity there is in TikTok. You'll learn how to get started, how to produce TikTok-friendly content, how to reach Gen Z, and much more. Ashley, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you here. To kick things off, tell us your interview horror story. Yep, let's hear it. Yeah, well, I can say as a lawyer, there really shouldn't be too many of these, but uh, like many, uh, legal is a profession of do as I say, not as I do. Um, So probably one time I was interviewing with an executive who uh, we were having quite a nice interview and he stopped and he said, well, hold on a second. You're not pregnant, are you? And I said, I'm sorry. And he said, you don't, he looked me up and down and said, you sure don't look it. You're kidding. Um, Because he was asking questions about about, um, having children. And I said, no, 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 I'm not. And at the end, he walked me to uh, to the next office and he said to the next executive, you know, I like her. She dresses well and she makes me smile. What else can you ask for? I said, well, probably many things in, in a lawyer. But um, but uh, so that was that was a that was a shocker for sure. You know, I laugh, but it's purely incredulity. How does that happen? How does that? I mean, there's a reason I do a lot of TikToks. They're about these absurd scenarios because I think they happen. They happen as often because my second horror story would probably be the common one, which is getting ghosted, which happens to everybody, which is you never hear back or you're told, oh, my God, this is it. This is the candidate. The offer is coming. And then all of a sudden you're you're reaching out to them. It feels dehumanizing. You're, oh, just just following up, trying to, you know, say, think of a polite way to say, you know, hey, jerk, you told me you told me this was mine. And why am I, you know, begging for you? And so that's probably the real horror story. But uh, but I make quite a few TikToks on the absurdity that is that is uh, the working environment uh, in the world. Well, that's a pretty neat segue then to the meat and potatoes of this conversation, TikTok. Now, I must admit, I'm a pretty big fan of you, your TikTok content. And you know, it's funny, I was actually, my, my partner, Beck, is, is also um, very much into TikTok. And we when I said that I was going to have you on the show, that she said, I, I follow Ashley Heard. I actually know Ashley Heard. And I said, well, <laughs> there you go. That's really cool. And um, That's amazing. There's something about TikTok in particular. Um, and this is one of the questions I want to ask you, but it seems like a smaller world than, than perhaps um, it is. Or, or you know, that, that the fact that particularly maybe with regards to recruitment or even just, um, you know, business in general, that it's quite a, you know, it's quite a small world. Would you agree with that or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, uh, I, 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 I think some of the people I've connected with or, or come across, you know, that I never would have thought of on a screen. It's absolutely amazing. And now I've zoomed with some of these people I used to connect with, you know, see on TikTok and I talk to them or we're friendly and we have, you know, we have, the funny thing was just such very similar experiences, even even across uh, the world. One of my best friends, I'd say, in the community is um, at Business of Humans, uh, who is uh, Lee uh, Lee Greg or Greatly. I think it's Greg, um, and she's she's in she's in Australia, and um, I love her content so much. And so much of what we say sounds ex- it's exactly the same message about being human, having people leadership, and it's wild. I I ne- we've lived our whole lives, and uh, have just connected because of this crazy app. Mm. You know, speaking as a as a marketing or a branding person, 
fundamentally. The, the question has always been for the last three or four years, maybe even longer than that, but I, w- I would say about three or four years, when do we break into TikTok? Like when, ha- when do I put the time into researching how TikTok actually works, how it functions, what the opportunities are in it, um, and, and how can it be used as a marketing tool? And you've done it, right? And, and you've done it quite successfully. And I guess my first question to you then is, why did you decide, decide to go with TikTok, I should say, as a primary um, channel for, for, for driving what you do? Well, look, I've been on TikTok for about three years, um, but TikTok first, you know, as a mom who was doing, you know, silly things to my to my kids with with my kids three years ago. Now my daughter's a bit older, so it's not too often with me. Um, But I found it enjoyable for that in in the pandemic. You know, it was a fun way to get engaged. And then um, I I hadn't really known about the business aspect of it until I did. And then you start seeing me and think, oh, this is kind of fun. And you think about, oh, these are some different ideas. And it's, you know, the, the best answer I tell people is you, sh- you know, should have gotten into TikTok two, three years ago. The second best time is to do it today, tomorrow. I mean, because you truly can get into it straight away and you kind of do stuff and start experimenting. And it's just, uh, there's some platforms that take so much time from a recording standpoint to get content on. I mean, you could truly sit down if you want have a video in five minutes and um and you know that could be your video that goes viral it's absolutely wild mm. well that sort of um, partially answers my next question but i mean when you first started doing this what was your process how did you go about it was it a case of like you said just sit down and create something and and hope that it resonates or put enough work behind it that you know okay i have a reasonable expectation that this this content will resonate with my audience or is it something that took you know six months of planning was it it sounds like it was pretty impromptu would you say that's the case yeah, I think it was it was winter U.S. times. It was about six, seven months ago, really. I, you know, I, I had no that's when I created my account, and um, I started thinking about oh, some different scenarios I knew personally or things I've thought of. Um, I'd done uh, playwriting back in the day, so I kind of like the idea of scripting. Yeah, 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 kind of um, back back a while ago. But um, so I've always liked the idea of scripting, and I've having been in H- uh, HR and employment law, you know, you have a combination of seeing things that can write them write themselves. And so I started making things that resonated and it's completely different than the style I do now. Um, but I would just put it together and do, you know, use kind of cool music backgrounds and do captions back and forth and just try things out. And uh, I remember being, oh my God, so excited when I think I got a hundred views or maybe even a hundred likes on something. I thought like, oh my God, I've made it. This is amazing. Um, and uh, now I, what I do is completely, completely different, meaning I do a little bit more um, process around it. But Still, it's it doesn't take me that long to do it, and um, it always is trying to be relatable or things I'd like to watch. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Uh, it's it's particularly interesting to hear that you're a playwright because I, I think one of the things I noticed about your video content, um, and not to gush too much, is that your comedic timing is quite good, right? Which is not easy to do, particularly for lawyers. I have some friends who are lawyers, and I wouldn't say that comedic timing is their <laughs> no. strong suit. So, yeah, that, that's that's no. interesting. That's pretty cool. I, and I guess this is. Um, on the other side of it, I mean, what are the frustrations with TikTok content creation? Because I, from what I understand, you're very subject to the whims of the algorithm and something that no one really understands, like it's some sort of, you know, pernicious deity. I mean, what are the frustrations with, with the, the medium? Look, I, you know, I, when I put stuff out there, I probably should be more into the analytics and things like that. And, and recently, my husband has started going and he'll create this chart and, you know, Excel spreadsheets of topics and things of use. And I think, and he'll say, everything really should tie back to these five core principles of your business. And I think, well, that's fine. But I really want to make a, vis- a, a video where I combine what, what a law firm would look like if it was in Bridgerton. And he said, show me which one of your principles that has nothing to say. Well, nothing, but I find it fun. And so I'm 
so I I don't think as much about the algorithm. I think I did when I when I would start to have some videos that would go. I mean, I went through periods where I, had, I think I had a video that got like a hundred thousand views, and then I would have ones that got like forty five, and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't understand. But for me, I just I just kind of kept chugging away, chugging away, and not really paying attention to it, and making the content I went in, making some some shifts. The thing that frustrates me is is the negative comments, and you know everyone will say, and it's true, if you're gonna put yourself out there. You have to anticipate that negativity is going to come and it comes in two forms. One is when you work in um, HR recruitment, TikTok, you, you know, you're going to have people that say HR is, HR is evil. And I tell people that's often based on people having a terrible experience and I'm not going to take away from that experience. And I can understand why people having that experience would hate everyone within the realm. I get it. The other is the more personal um, content or personal digs like i'll you know i'm you know i'm getting my hair done on wednesday because that a few people point out you know nice roots or things like that or other people will see far far worse than that and those things still still sting and i you know you can read all the inspirational books or things like that but the different creators i talk to even the ones that seem like they have it most together everyone seems to say like some stuff sometimes things just hurt and you have to put down the phone and not take it personally but that's really really hard to especially as your audience grows a bit Completely. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've, I've um, ever had to deal with it to that extent, but you're absolutely right. There is a degree to which, yes, you know, I suppose you have to have a thick skin, but I don't like using that as a, um, I mean, people should just, you know, not, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything, right? Like, that's the way I think about it. Um, but I, I totally get that. I, I completely understand it is, it is um, frustrating. With regards to HR in particular and recruitment, I mean, there's no shortage of are on the internet particularly directed towards recruitment i mean you know no one has to look further than that subreddit i think it's called recruiting hell or recruiter hell um yeah you know for for a, a dose of ire i guess and schadenfreude as well um do you think that i mean I, I think the work that you do is is pushing things in the right direction in terms of changing the the perception of hr and recruitment but do you think that the medium of tiktok lends itself well to kind of like a rebrand for the profession I do. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I tell people this and I have absolutely no, no actual statistics to lay this out, but I tell people, you know, there's 10% of, you know, say managers, HR recruiters that are just awesome. They, they will make every experience fantastic. People will gush about them all day long. Amazing. Then there's 10% that are just horrible. They're lazy. They're cruel. They're, you know, just awful. And I, I say there's 80% in the middle. Again, I have no idea the numbers on that, but people that just don't think differently. If it's the recruiter that's, you know, that's thinks in their head, yeah, I need to get back to people, but I'm so busy on my plate. And when they see a TikTok that goes through what the actual experience is like for that candidate, thinking in their mind and talking to that, I will involve my kids every once in a while, you know, talking to your kids about what the kids asking what the job is like, your partner asking what the job is like. I've had recruiters that will comment on a video like that and saying, you know what, I have candidates I need to get back to. I'm going to get back to them today. And and that's the stuff. Yeah. Or like today I, I'd done a video about for a manager or some HR about um, giving predictability if you're going to give a half day. In the States, we have Labor Day coming up this weekend, you know, one of our few holidays for, for workers here in the U.S. Um, and oftentimes companies will wait till the day of and say, oh, congratulations, you know, we'll give off at 3 p.m., 4 p.m. And people are like, well, <laughs> thanks. You know, it would have been great to know two weeks ago. And so I had someone that commented and said, you know, I told my whole office we're going to give a ha an actual half day. And I told them today, as opposed to normally, I just tell people the afternoon. I hadn't thought about it that way. And so everything I try to do in my content is generally 
to address that I hadn't thought about it that way because I I have enough faith in humanity and maybe that'll change one day. But I think a lot of people just get so hung up in their in their day to day life that they don't think about things differently or they haven't experienced things personally. And so that's that's really what I what I aim to try to send my content to. Okay. I hope you don't mind. I'd like to pivot slightly and talk about um, manager method. I think the best question to ask is, how's that going? It's great. I mean, it's. Um, I, I thought about it actually when I was living in Australia a few years ago, trying to think about what you know, what do I really want? To, what do I want to do? So I've been a, a general counsel, head of HR. We um, didn't know if we'd stay there. I've always had this entrepreneurial bent, and I've worked with some some really large companies, um, but I'd told people that the best rest, the best um, uh, people managers, people leaders I'd met were restaurant managers at KFC when I worked for, for Young Brands. And so oftentimes they were able to get the biggest results and, and really make a difference in people's lives far more than, because I think they're close to the action. I think one of the biggest gaps you can have as a leader is you have no idea the day-to-day experience of so many employees and you haven't had it themselves. Oftentimes, I know in Australia, uh, UK especially, oftentimes there's this you know public-private high school. There's just it's it can be really hard to 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 break into success if you weren't born that way. U.S. is is probably a bit different, but on the realities on the ground, if you look at top leadership, oftentimes you know they they you know had wealthy backgrounds and and things like that. And so I think if you haven't had those experiences and you don't know what it's like day to day, then it's super easy to make you know, not easy, but it's um it's common to make decisions about our arbitrary policies or things that that don't reflect the realities and the struggles of workers. If you're in a restaurant and you're the leader, but you're literally working side to side, you see people, you have to know their job. You have, you're, you're working in and out. You're also face to face with them. So you're not, you know, sending something from an email away. So I think having that closeness of experience and really on the ground has, has helped. And they oftentimes know the experience of their people. So they talk like real people, not in corporate speak. Mm. I, I would agree with that. I think it's also an element of humility too, right? Like the humility of a person in and it's, I guess it's inborn to a degree as well that they think, okay, I can, I can be in the trenches as it were. I can be, um, you know, I can look at things from a bird's eye view and, and govern strategically if you like, but I'm also capable and I want to be close to the work being done on the ground. Um, I think that's what's particularly good about the management structure at Sapi, if I can call them out for a second, because like my manager, Toby, for instance, who's the chief marketing officer, um, often gets his hands dirty. And I mean, that's, that's something about, um, you know, a startup culture, but also it speaks yeah. to humility. It speaks to character, being able to say, yep, look, this is not below me necessarily. Yeah. And the fact that I know how to do this work makes me better strategically as well. Um, I do believe that to be the case. Um, that's yeah, interesting. I, I find that. Well, and, you know, like, and in, 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 I do think uh, if you if you focus on what the net output is, and so with Sabia, everything you're doing, for example, is focused on your customers. And so it's important for every executive leader to know what that experience is like. When I was at Yum Brands, and to, to call them out as a, as a, as a great company in that, we what, we what the headquarters was called the Restaurant Support Center, because everything we did was really just to support the restaurants. We also had to go in and work cameras every six months, every year. I mean, I remember having my eyes closed trying to work at the drive-thru to understand people, you know, and then comes Rebecca my co- co-worker for the day who, who can crush it all day long and do seven other things at the same time. And I, you know, when we came in, they would have all this respect for us as corporate workers, but we had the, ex- they were shocked to see we had the exact same respect for them and what they, they handled. So I think it is that humility and knowing what's, what really the output and the value is and having seen that close up and having that respect and literally getting your, your hands dirty, I think is fantastic leadership. Mm. So what do you think the, talent opportunity, I suppose, is the best way of phrasing it for 
recruiters, for talent acquisition managers, even for in-house teams at companies. Like, do you think that it's worth right now them building a TikTok presence, either for the company or for that particular TA manager? It's kind of like a long-term talent business development opportunity. Do you think there's something to that? Do you think people should be focusing there now? I, I do with a caveat, I think, because I do think it's, I mean, the, the algorithms are such and the, the who you can reach, you can oftentimes reach a variety of people that you would want to have come work for you. And so it's a quick snippet to show what we're really like with my caveat being that the actual experience must match up with what you're portraying out there. Because the quickest way to destroy your employer brand would be to have spend a ton of money, have some super snazzy TikToks and then have someone come in and do a stitch, you know, which is where they show the first five minutes of something and then someone, you know, to quickly do a stitch and talk about their actual experience. If it's a terrible interview process, if as an organization you start and all of a sudden you're like, wait, they're spending all of their money on recruitment and nothing on the actual employee experience or what that's what that's like. And so if, if, if it's if you have a great so I first I would encourage companies to look truly at their employee employee experience and in that instance, if if there's work to be done, then do it or parallel process as you're building it for you know recruitment as well. But that's if you can do it, then having that on TikTok and blasting it and showing what the actual experience is like is I think that is the type of content people really want to see because so often they've they've been burned. Mm-hmm. I think particularly with Gen Z as well, because I mean, I think the, I don't exactly know what the demographic split is for TikTok, but um, I would say it skews heavily in in favor of Gen Z. And if you are a talent acquisition head of, let's say, or a talent acquisition manager or a recruiter, whatever the case is, and you're looking to, you know, mine TikTok, let's say, for talent opportunities over the long term, um, I mean, you've got to be pretty smart about it, right? And candidate experience is a key part of that. But that employer brand, um, element absolutely i mean like you said it, being stitched with a, a negative review would be catastrophic right <laughs> like it, would be, it, would, it would be catastrophic and it would go it would i mean that is the, the algorithm is smart enough that it knows what the people want and what the, what it wants to see is a big brand people love to see you know your david and goliath they love to see the david fall or goliath actually i'm forgetting the, the right one here but um they love to see a giant fall especially someone that's you know, investing so heavily in slick things and not in the in the day to day. And so 100%. I mean, that's something that, that can absolutely go viral. Um, but the same as, as you say to Gen Z, I mean, they're really looking for authenticity in all aspects, um, you know, warts and all what that's like, and for organizations that do rethink things. So I think, you know, you have a TikTok that talks about it has a, a humble CEO that says, you know, we used to have xyz policy and we did i didn't think twice about it until this person brought it up and we changed it and this is what our experience is like and this is how we actually show we change i mean i i would want to go i'd want to go want to go and work there i mean something like content like that i think really makes people stand stand apart um because that's what people want day to day they've they've had seen enough uh, slick things i would agree with that i, I in terms of content uniqueness because i think that's something worth covering I can see the frustration from companies and I actually have, have heard this firsthand where a company says, okay, we want to break into TikTok either for the purposes of long-term talent acquisition, say, or just because we want our brand to be present on TikTok. And they see things like Duolingo, for example, and I haven't been to Duolingo's TikTok, that their side of TikTok for quite some time, but they had basically a stretch of videos where they just had someone dancing around in a bird suit. Yeah, very funny. You know, um, one of my partner Beck's favorite channels, I think, <laughs> for a certain period of time. Um <laughs> But how do you look at that in a co- as a company and go, 
oh, that's what we got to do, really? Like we got to right. <laughs> we got to get someone in a suit. Like that's we need a mascot, um, which is not the case, right? But I think good advice, and I'm keen on your take on this, Ashley, is identify your content niche. I suppose if you like, so if you're, you know. Um, like with manager methods, a really good example. Like what you do is basically you, you bring your own take to things, and and like you said, you, you're thinking about adding value or making people think differently about something that perhaps they hadn't considered um, in that particular way. Um, you know, th- th- finding your content niche is really critical, more so than having a gimmick. Let's say, I mean, would, what's what's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I flip it because when I work with organizations, oftentimes I'll say. Tell me about you know why you why you want why you work here. And I, just recently, I had this conversation. This person said, "Look, I'll be honest. We're a super boring industry, um, but I have stability. I know I'm going to come and do my job. I truly don't get micromanaged. I go home at a predictable hour. People do not bother me at night or on the weekends ever. And but when I come, I enjoy the people I work with. And a lot of uh, you know people enjoy themselves so much that they've been here for a while. And um, it's really funny. And I said, "Well, that's interesting because as I look at your careers page, it says work hard, play hard." And when I see work hard, play hard, people often think play hard is really small font. They think of work hard. That's what people look at. And I said, well, that's not the message you're sending. I said, so if you're in that situation, I would say, you know, if your president is going to do this video and show like, you know, we used to have work hard, play hard. And then we're like, but that's not really, this is what it's actually like. And you have people talk about stuff like that, leaning into your strengths. I mean, there's talk, look at how many, you know, how many companies right now, especially in the startup tech space are, are having to do. Um, redundancies do these layoffs and there's so saying to people being able to say we, we have we're super boring but we have this stability and we're not in the most exciting space but like you can you can you know be rest assured we're, we're probably going to be here and be just cruising on along and that can be really attractive for people as well and if people are looking for something that's a more you know hot and exciting environment well you shouldn't be attracting them anyway and so I think leaning into exactly what your niche is 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 really critical for that talent acquisition strategy and can be a huge goldmine because many organizations have their own unique value proposition that they may think is not that notable, but it is. Definitely. It's been my experience that the the most uh, notable points of difference of value propositions are oftentimes what the company doesn't think is particularly interesting. And, and, and in some cases, it needs to be couched in a slightly different way. But oftentimes, that's what resonates best best with their, with their audience. I, I want to ask you a question about you know, the, the logistics of content creation, perhaps, and this is something that clearly you're naturally very good at, but for people who are thinking about getting into TikTok content creation, what's your advice for practicing or getting better at on-screen presentation or the way that you speak and the way that you organize ideas and things like that? Do you have any tips to, to offer? Well, I will say that right around the same time I started my channel, um, I was doing a stand-up comedy class, and oh, really? um, yes, it was with um, it was with this woman, uh, Lace Larrabee, who's in Atlanta. She actually was just on America's Got Talent. She was on national television here. She's amazing. She's hilarious. That's and cool. mine was actually a women's only a stand-up comedy class, um, but it was uh, six seven weeks, and we had a graduation show. And I've done some open mics since, and so that definitely helped me in terms of thinking about timing, you know, keeping things tight, you know, TikTok, well, you can do longer videos, you really don't want to do any longer than a minute. Um, and having, you know, some some of those timing things in there. So that actually helped. Um, and so that is one one hack that I'd recommend to people if it can also be terrifying. So I understand why people wouldn't want to do that. But it, it can be helpful before you start putting yourself, you know, out there for the whole world to see on TikTok, potentially. Um, I so when I started doing videos, I was doing a lot of them with these role play scenarios where I'd have music and then I would do captions of what people were saying. Cause I thought oh, people don't want to 
hear my voice and I was doing that. Well, there's one thing in TikTok that sometimes when you do like a caption and you write it yourself, it blows up and gets really large. So one out of every seven videos, it would be there would be like one huge cat inevitably it'd be like the you know the one caption and you'd upload it and you'd be like ah oh. oh, and yeah. um people of course comment talk about the negative comments people are like hey idiot learn to edit your videos I'm like no i promise and you know other people would write and be like no it's a it's a it's a tiktok thing it just happens sometimes you know yeah. Yeah, right and so um and so i i i changed i'd I changed. And so I invested in equipment. And by that, I mean, I got a $200 microphone from, from Amazon. And I, um, I did start recording my videos in, um, on my camera app on my phone. I do everything on my phone. I don't have a, um, a fancy camera. I also don't have time to, to edit that way really. But, um, so I do it, I do it, but it's helped in that way because, um, I am then able to upload and I have a captions app to add that. I do think it's really important to be, to be inclusive. Um, and I think mm. it's I, a lot of people like captions even without hearing impairment, totally. but, um, but I, then if you do it that way, then you can upload to TikTok separately and Instagram separately. And they're not seeing each other's logos or, you know, whatnot. So people that want to upload different ways, I, I have done that. And, and that's upskilled my content event. And I started to use, I started to use my real voice. And so I went from over six months, I think I'd, I'd had, um, I got to 12,000 followers, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, that's um, crazy. But in the last six weeks, I've I've added almost 100,000 followers. Um, and it's just, it's, and it's kind of like, I mean, but a lot of what people didn't see is the slog of doing the videos over, you know, over and just putting time in. And sometimes it just, it just takes, takes time to, to head off. But I do think having upskilling it a bit helped me. And, and I now kind of have this, you know, little niche of, of what I do anyway. That's cool. That's a pretty uh, inspiring case study for success. That that's. that's I will watch cool. my. I'll, I sh- I should make a. I should make a video explaining how I did it, but it would be very short and very boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just find your find your voice. But it has been. It has been. It has been very cool. And I I'd had a, a, when I was at twelve thousand. I think I had a goal of like, oh, if I could hit twenty thousand by end of year, it'd be amazing. Hmm. And I had another creator that said, no, you're going to get to hundred thousand by Labor Day. And um, which is this weekend. And so I, 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 when I hit it last week, I got a nice text from him and um, you know, it, it, it feels good. I like, I do like to celebrate some of those wins. So it's nice to hit those milestones, but I still make dinner for my kids and, you know, do, do all the other things I do in my normal life. Yeah, that's awesome. Like writing plays and attending comedy classes. You're quite a polymath. It's cool. It's cool to see. I think, um, I mean, that that's an interesting sort of, I guess, you know, piece of advice as well that reminds me of, um, you know, let's say, Probably close to 15 years ago, maybe maybe not quite that long ago, 10, 12 years ago, perhaps, um, to be successful on YouTube and to see that kind of like meteoric rise in engagement and followers was something that was quite relatively easy to achieve because the world of YouTube was a lot smaller than it is right now. And if you want to be, if 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 you want to be any kind of content creator on YouTube and see similar success, I mean, there's just not as much oxygen in the room as it were. So the advice being. If you're thinking about getting into TikTok now, is probably the time, right? And and like you said before, right? The um, or to paraphrase what you said before, the the, the second best time to plant the tree is is today, um, yeah. because in ten five ten years from now, it's definitely not going to be that easy to 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 be found, right? To have even quality content, right? Which you have, but also to be to be found is not going to be um, as easy as perhaps it is now. Um, I have a couple more questions, but I thought we'd pivot again to the Circle Back Initiative. So you've recently joined the Circle Back Initiative um, as uh, you might say, like the leader of the US. I mean, how is that going? And 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 tell us about why you decided to to link up with Steve. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm the country director for US and Canada. And um, I had done a video on TikTok uh, about the candidate experience. And it was mimicking, you know, very similar to what to what that's what it's like of someone having an interview being told without prompting, you'll hear from us by by Friday, and then times going on, you know, that what it, like, from the candidate, you know, thinking in your head, like, oh, I suck, I suck, I'm bad, everything internally, as opposed to like, no, no, they, they told you these things. And, um, and then, you know, thinking, thinking about the follow up, having, you know, your kids ask about this position. And then only when you follow up for the third, fourth time, do you get the, the auto decline when you've gone through a whole host of interviews. And so I'd, you know, done a one minute video on that. And so, um, so uh, my husband's cousin uh, is, is a CEO of Intelligence Bank out, out of Melbourne. Her head of uh, people and culture is Beth Powell, amazing. And Beck and I had connected on LinkedIn and Beck said, oh, you should really check what Steve Gard is doing at the Circleback Initiative. And I, I hadn't been familiar with it. And so I clicked and I think about within 30 minutes, I was running to my husband and I said, I don't, I have to get involved. And I said, I have to also figure out how to not make Steve Gard think I'm a complete stalker and too over, over, over eager. Um, Cause even with my time in Australia, I can be a bit American and get extremely excited about things. And so um, I connected with, I, I messaged Steve and he suggested a call. So I really felt like I had my in, but but we talked and I, and I just said so much of it resonated because I've gone through this ghosting experience. I've had very close loved ones go through it. And I know how, especially when you're already at, whether you're out of a job or you're obviously looking for other, your jobs, you're, you can be in a vulnerable state, but the impact that it can have on you and your family and your, your community is, is just awful. And, it, and there, there are things that can be done about it. And so, and I love Steve's take of how Rather than going on LinkedIn and calling out companies that are bad, he wanted to flip and make it a positive when organizations were treating people right. And, and I loved that approach of it because I, I do think that so much of it is, again, needing to see that recognition and just changing habits. And so I was talking with Steve and trying to figure out what to do. So we're looking to really supercharge it um, in the U.S. and Canada. They've already had a number of global employers, but a lot of it's spreading here and, and using case studies to show how it's completely possible, no matter the size of your recruitment team, your ATS um, any of that, but there's many tools, um, as you as you know all too well, that can that can help to make that really a reality and make a huge, huge difference for candidates and also for the employers. Well said. I think that's exactly why um, Sapia decided to, to sponsor Sapia. I mean, it's it's a natural sort of thing for us to do uh, for the second year in a row, but specifically the U.S. region, right? Because we see the yeah. opportunity in the U.S. and and some of our um, you know commercial client wins particularly in the US um, which is burgeoning for us is through good candidate experience I'm not sure it's a short story I can tell yet but um, you know a candidate of a, of a major airline had such a good experience that they went to their partner who owned another airline and said you got to try this interview tool it's just incredible and it's like if that's if that doesn't say it all you know and 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 that's why um, that's why we're here basically that's and and that's why we've we've partnered with CBI again because it's I mean it's an awesome awesome initiative and it's great to be a part of. It's been it's well. Been I, I'll say so this is, you know, the, when Steve had set it up and his mission to continue is that it be free for employers, which is really quiz because it doesn't cost to be a burden or or for candidates to think, oh, this is something that employers are are buying. You know, what is you know people are so suspicious of the authenticity. That being said, anything takes funding to run, and so having awesome partners like uh, CPO, I mean, I, it's much appreciated, and it just shows you 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 put your money where your mouth is, and so we appreciate it. Final question for you. Um, this can be, hopefully it's not too broad a question, um, but I would say right now the, the market is probably 50% divided between people that say that, it may not be 50%, you might have a different view, um, between talent acquisition is broken or talent acquisition is fine 
um, you know, I'm not sure where you would land if you would, but I'm of the view that small tips and iterative improvement for talent acquisition is is the order of the day. So what advice would you give the, that function within companies right now to improve the way they're doing things, whether it's with regards to, you know, finally giving investment to employer brand or looking seriously at candidate experience? What, what would you say needs direct attention right now? Well, I, I wholly agree with you on the incremental. I'm a huge fan of Atomic Habits. I'm reading this book by James oh, totally. It's all about that, you know, 1%, out, the 1% Blair. improvement. Yeah, it's in having and in, in not having a goal because obviously the goal is going to be, oh, we want to we wanna be an employer of choice, you know, whatever that is. Well, you know, you wake up in the morning and, and that's not going to happen at the end of the day. But what can happen is you do do these iterative imp- improvements. And so I do think I do think two things. One is encouraging your, your talent acquisition team of look at those people that are in your pipeline and make decisions and, and, and make decisions and, and for hi- more often for hiring managers, because I know recruit, recruiters can really, it can be challenging for them because so often, you know, they're pushing and they're getting ghosted internally on their own end as well. But for recruiters and hiring, hiring managers to look at who's, who's there and make those decisions and, and think, think twice about keeping someone warm. You know, these are, these are human bodies. And so they want responses. So thinking, thinking of that and having, even if you don't have the most sophisticated tools, but having automated things you can say based on you know criteria oh you don't have this experience you know xyz getting back to people truly i i think can can you can do that you can do that today but the other also is working with your your hr teams your ceo your finance and your marketing team to show it's really a comprehensive picture because you can have all the wonderful things in the world to bring people indoor you can get back to people do all of that but when people come and start to work for you it has to match up extremely neatly to what you've talked about and there's iterative things you can do for employees that have nothing to do with increasing pay, but, you know, hearing people out, taking feedback and really upskilling that, that I think making, working on that employer experience um, and the candidate experience in harmony, because you really have to have both. Thanks for listening. Think Squirrels is brought to you by Sapia AI, creator of the world's first AI smart interviewer. 